0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's I- awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I Oh, see- yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are locked on, Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com for the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you can find anywhere. Before I get going, it's Packers-Vikings week, and I've asked you a couple times for some Packers jokes. I'm sure you've got Vikings jokes. So if you do, email me those at Packwriter2002 at yahoo.com, preferably G or PG rated, please. This is a... uh, a family show, and I'm sure some of you guys are, are listening with your kids in the car or whatever. So uh keep it a little clean, please, and thank you. And also a big thanks for listening. I uh, crossed a big listener milestone with the Monday post game podcast. So thanks for listening, and I will try to continue that mediocrity this morning with my sleep-deprived podcast. Um, my son, Grady, woke up in the middle of the night. He's six. He woke up in the middle of the night and asked me to come cover him back up. Well, the challenge here with him, he's got like twenty stuffed animals. I mean, there's like no room in his bed. It is, it's, he's got a pillow and like more stuffed animals than you'll you know, you know shopco's got. So it's a. Uh, you know, and then I'm still awake, and then I then it starts to rain. It, it is just raining like crazy. I can hear the wind blowing. So I, I come down and I close all the windows. So you know our, our house doesn't turn to a swimming pool. And then I just listening to the thunder. It was an amazing night last night not it wasn't severe weather, but it wasn't like, you know, your typical boom of thunder, then a break, and then some lightning. It was like one nonstop rumble of thunder for like five or ten minutes, and something I've probably only experienced once or twice, and maybe I don't pay much attention to it, maybe you're a meteorologist and say, well, you're a big dummy that happens all the time. Well, it was pretty interesting listening to the just one continuous rumble of thunder, which didn't really go away so much as the storm just passed through. Um, and then five, well, I dozed back off like five in the morning. And I wake up to this dream. It's my other son, Isaac, and he's complaining there's something tangled up in his blankets. So I go in there, and it's Demarius Randall. Demarius Randall is stuck in Isaac's blankets. So I pull him out, and his hand falls off. Well, fortunately, his hand is made out of Legos. So I pop it right back on, so it's no big deal. (laughs) So that's stupid stuff, by the way. On to first down, and the injury to cornerback Sam Shields. And during the fourth quarter of Sunday's victory against Jacksonville, Shields suffered a concussion. And you don't have to look very far into his history to figure out his concussion problems here. During a December game against Dallas, he suffered a concussion. that's settling for the final three regular season games, as well as a playoff game against Washington. So you you, you worry about the guy at some point long term. And I know there's been a lot written and said about CTE. And, you know, you know real scientists have real debate over this. Um... I know there was the concussion movie with Will Smith that portrayed the NFL as a dark organization. There's people on Twitter who swear to God that the NFL doesn't give a rip about the players and they're just using them as meat. And you know what? You know, Maybe that's true. I also read a magazine called Discover and they had a story in there with scientists talking about CTE and there's legit scientists out there who aren't ready to make that link between playing football and CTE and you know chronic brain problems. But nonetheless... I mean, you worry about a guy like Shields after he, after he basically missed a month the last time he had a concussion. Now he gets another one, what is this, nine months later? So there's some concern from the Packers, too. This is from Coach Mike McCarthy on his Monday afternoon press conference. He says, Anytime any of our players is in the protocol in dealing with a concussion, it's a concern. That's why we'll evaluate Sam each and every day to make sure he's healthy and goes through the challenges of what he's dealing with. It's a protocol. I think they do a great job, particularly our doctors, of taking it one step at a time. We definitely are aware of his history, and that will factor in how we move forward. So that's, uh, and I play the Vikings. So maybe, maybe you get by in this game. I mean, if you're just looking from a cold, heartless football perspective, and they are playing the Vikings, it is a run-first team. Who knows who their quarterback's going to be? Their offense is terrible against Tennessee. So if there's ever a game where you can get by such a top corner, this might be the one. Um. You know, against Jacksonville, well, at the start of the Jacksonville game, Green Bay's starting corners, because they play nickel all the time, their starting corners were Shields and Demarius Randall on the outside, Ladarius Gunter in the slot. Well, Rollins winds up getting benched at one point. He missed the tackle on that big screen pass to uh, Titan Mercedes Lewis, and then he gave a touchdown to uh, the other Titan, Julius Thomas, and gave another big play as well. So he gets benched, and they end up bringing in Ladarius Gunter into the slot. Well, finally, Shields gets hurt, and then they have to bring Rollins back into the game. And Rollins, who, as you recall, deflected that first drive pass for an interception, makes one of the plays of the game on, and not late in the game where quarterback Blake Bortles goes deep to a star receiver, Allen Robinson, in the end zone, and there's and there's, Robin, and there's um, Rollins there to, to deflect that pass and, once again, help save the victory. So, they're obviously going to need... You know, I would think it'll go with Randall and Rollins here. Probably they're starting tandem, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. You know, maybe Gunter might be a better matchup against um, the rookie receiver Laquan Treadwell. So we'll again, we'll see how that plays out during the week. You know, if if there's one upside here with Rollins, it's the way he bounced back, and this is and that's what Dom Capers took out of it as well. This is again from Capers from his Monday evening press conference. It says when you're playing out there on an island, you're going to lose some. But I like the way he battled back. He made a really big play at the end, really big play there at the end of the game, where they tried to throw the ball up to Robinson, who's one of the better go deep and go up and win the one-on-one battles receivers. I thought that's the best thing that he did. I was encouraged the way Quinton battled through some things. You're going to have some. You've got to have a short memory out there, and you've got to come right back and make your plays. You can't let it affect you. And I thought he battled through. You know, and after and. Uh, just earlier on Monday, Coach Mike McCarthy gave Rollins a big vote of confidence, calling him a you know very good player. So we'll see. It looks like at this point, I would wager that Green Bay is going to go into a gigantic Week Two matchup against the Vikings with a couple of second-year corners playing the Vikings. And this segment of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by me. Packreport.com. Not only do we give you great premium content at Packreport, but we also have 10% discounts on tickets and 10% discounts on gear. You get the whole network too. So if you're a Badgers fan, we got a whole bunch of great Badgers stuff with our Badger Nation website. And if you would like to advertise on this web, on this podcast, uh, just send me an email and I will give you all the demographic information that you'd want. Uh, contact me at PackRider2002 at yahoo.com for more information. On a second down, and that is the run defense from Sunday's victory against Jacksonville. And then, of course, looking ahead to that fellow by the name of Adrian Peterson, who's up for Sunday night in Minnesota. You know, I picked the Packers to lose the Jacksonville game because I thought they wouldn't be able to stop the run. And, you know, maybe, maybe at the end of the day, I'm right if Chris Ivory plays. But, hey, that's the way it goes. Green Bay's run defense was tremendous. And surprised with how they got that done, that they did it. You know, I, I I was worried that the Packers would either, you know, play Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark, their two rookies, a lot and they wouldn't be up to the task or I was worried that they'd have to play Latroy Guy and Mike Daniels a lot and they'd get worn down in the fourth quarter and either way, Green Bay would get run over and lose the game. Well, that didn't happen and they did it without Guy and Daniels playing a whole lot of snaps. They they were around 60% each which is you know probably about as high as you want to go for a Dean Lyman but I mean, they, didn't, they didn't kill those guys, so to speak. You know the the rookies plus slash young guys of, of Clark, Lowry and uh, last year's practice squad guy Christian Ringo only played about, you know about twenty five thirty snaps combined, so they were a non factor. You know Dayton Jones you know played a few snaps on, on on the base defense and he was a a staple in their you know their two D line nickel package. So you know Dayton Jones ate up some of those snaps too. So they found a way to get by and have to do that again against the Vikings. But here's the tail of the tape from Sunday. Green Bay allowed, allowed 1.85 yards allowed per carry against Jacksonville. And a lot of that work was on the first drive. So after that first drive, they went down to 1.52 yards per carry. Now, now here's the big number. And I had this at in our postgame numbers piece at PackerReport.com, one of our uh, highly read subscribers um, pieces after the game. The Packers allowed 4.54 yards per carry last season, and they ranked 29th in the NFL. And they also allowed 4.54 yards per carry, coincidentally enough, over the previous six seasons combined, and that ranked 30th. So, in that context, you know, Sunday was a fabulous start. In, in more than that, again, from 2010 through 2015, the Packers allowed 2.0 yards per carry in a game just three times. So that really adds some interesting context to what Green Bay accomplished run defense-wise against the Jaguars. I you know, I pointed out you know, just kinda of roughly those numbers to Capers, their their history to Capers yesterday, and he he pointed out that he thought Green Bay's run defense was actually pretty good last year. He he you know he you know he can bases their run defense success on on wins and losses, you know, basically how many reps they win in a game and how many reps they lose in a game. And he thought they played well last year from that perspective. The problem he said were were long runs and quarterback runs slash you know quarterback scrambles, and you know I I go back and he's right about that. But you look at look at the game Sunday Jacksonville's long long run seven yards. Blake Bortles who ran for more than 300 yards last year you know a, a big scrambling guy his longest run was for three. So Green Bay really took care of business there. I know some of that was they they spied with Joe Thomas to keep Bortles in the pocket. You know, a lot of five-man pressures to kind of cut off those running lanes, but Green Bay found a way to keep Jacksonville in check. Now, obviously, it's a whole other challenge with Adrian Peterson, who's who's had some really big games against the Packers. He's also been shut down a few times too. But you know, Peterson in my lifetime, he's the only running back where every single time he gets the ball, you think he can go the distance. He is just look—he's the greatest running back of this generation, and. You know the Packers are going to have to find a way to keep that guy in check, obviously, to to win this football game on Sunday night. And you know it, it, what what made the Jacksonville game so big is they consistently kept Jacksonville in the third and long situations. And, and if you can get in the third and long, I like Green Bay's chances because they're going to rush the passer and they're going to get their hands on balls. And you know the Vikings want to have a better running game with Peterson, but Jacksonville's got a better passing game. Well, you know whether it's Sean Hill or or. Uh, Sam Bradford at quarterback I, I like if they can get those guys in their third and long I'd certainly like Green Bay's defensive chances for Sunday night hey the first week of the NFL season is officially in the books how did your fantasy football teams do this week did you get in the fun over a fan duel no it's not too late week two is only days away FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, which means there are no busted seasons if your first-round draft pick goes down with an injury. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. They have some new things this year that are really cool. Try some beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. I really have to do this with my wife, Melissa, because we love fantasy football, and I love creaming her, just because her Pistons beat my Bucks 3 out of 4, so I have to get some bragging rights someplace. Uh, try 50 50 contests with a top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar or play for really any budget. This week has a $2 million payout, including $200,000 for first place. Have all that fantasy football has to offer with FanDuel. Be sports rich. Try FanDuel now. Get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries to the NFL 50-50 beginner league contest, valued up to $50. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value of free entries varies based on the deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, join, hit, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code LOPACKERS. That's FanDuel.com, promo code LOPACKERS. That's L for locked, O for on, then Packers. Void were prohibited. On the third down, that'd be a few surprises from Sunday's victory against Jacksonville, And I'll start with the special teams. One, that Jeff Janis played. Now, I guess I shouldn't be surprised based on the way practice shook out last week where he was a full participant and seemed to be doing everything when we got to watch. But that the Packers would put him out there basically with one hand. I mean, that's a surprise, right? I mean, especially, you know, just with the way that so, you know, the way field position can swing on special teams, you get got a one-handed guy out there. But you know what? It shows the veil that they place in Janus. You know, especially in, with two of their star guys, um, Chris Banjo and Ron Elliott sideline by injuries, and a third, Dmitri Goodson sideline by with a suspension. I suppose they needed Janus from that perspective. But again, it shows how good he is on special teams. Now, I know everybody loves the fact that he's big and tall and can run as a wide receiver. I just don't think it's ever going to work out. As a receiver, I mean, but you know what? If you get a great special teams player with a seventh round draft pick, I and mean, you got to be thrilled, right? So, you know what? If that's what Jeff Janis is, if Jeff Janis is nothing more than a difference maker on special teams, and maybe a bit player in offense, but as a really good special teams player, I, I think, I think for that you got to be you got to be thrilled. Number two, would be the play of guard Lane Taylor. You know, I don't think anybody outside of twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue thought Taylor would play this well against Jacksonville. I and mean, he had a heck of a good challenge. Malik Jackson's one of the better D tackles in the NFL. And you know, he gave up a couple of pressures, but anyway, you know, otherwise he played he played really well. You know, you know, if you're a young offensive lineman, you just basically if you can get through a game without getting noticed, then I think you've done your job. And and I think that you know, was mission mission accomplished there. And you know, that opening drive, it's a fourth and one and you know McCarthy goes for, and they run the ball behind Lane Taylor and left tackle David Bakhtiari, and Lacey gains nine for a first down, and they end up getting a touchdown out of that. Now, you know Edgar Bennett was asked about that play, and I asked Lane Taylor about that play yesterday, and you know really neither one of them saw any great, deep meaning significance behind running the ball behind Taylor as a "let's go show them guys" kind of play. But look, that's where the ball went eventually. And, you know Taylor said that. That play could have gone in any direction, and at least he just took it behind Taylor. But you know what? It's it's a it was a statement play. I mean, there's really no other way to spin it. it. was a it's a great way to, you know, build some momentum and some confidence and and you know, it's a good start for Taylor. And he's got a he's got another big challenge this week where where the Vikings have two great D tackles and Lynn Joseph and Sharif Floyd and you know the middle linebackers, Eric Kendricks, who's who's better than anything the Jaguars got. So it's going to be another big challenge for Taylor, but I think you, you leave the Jacksonville game feeling a lot better about that position than he did going into that game. And then number three would be Joe Thomas, if you going to go to the defensive side of the ball. First of all, I can't believe Joe Thomas played. <laughs> you know, I would say after the first two or three days of training camp that Blake Martinez took every single number one defensive rep as the dime inside linebacker as the every down guy. You know, obviously Thomas held that role last year when they reacquired him from Dallas early in the season but I I couldn't believe it. I I'm watching the game and it's that's 48 at as the dime rather than 50 and then Thomas deliver. Look, they don't they probably don't win that game without Joe Thomas. The the, the first play the first key play, obviously, is the interception, the first, the first drive interception. You know, I watched that play again on Monday morning. Joe Thomas is blitzing up the middle. The ball is thrown. The ball is batted around 16 times by cornerback uh, Quinton Rounds and receiver uh, Marquise Lee. And Joe Thomas hustles down the field and makes the play for the interception. So a great hustle play. And then that last play of the game, again, another hustle play. It's fourth and one. Dom Capers calls a seven man blitz, and Joe Thomas is blitzing up the middle. The ball is thrown outside. You know, the Packers gang tackle, and one of those guys in that gang tackle was Joe Thomas to make the play. Another, again, another great hustle play. And the Troy Guyon hauls him off the field, which I thought was a kind of a significant uh sign of what Thomas meant to that victory. You know, I I you know I asked Capers about why Thomas, rather than Blake Martinez in that spot, and, and Capers thought. You know, it's the first game of the year, and he just wanted to go with an experienced guy. And while I don't think Thomas did great at that job last year, I mean, he sort of didn't hurt him either. So, you know, there's at least a decent track record there. And, you know, look, Thomas is the forgotten guy in training camp. You know, everyone loves the new guy, and that was Blake Martinez. And then there was the battle between Martinez, or excuse me, the battle between Jake Ryan and Sam Barrington for that other spot. And then Carl Bradford comes out of nowhere after two lousy training camps and has a great third training camp. And Joe Thomas is Mister Forgotten, and lo and behold, he wins a roster spot and helps win a football game. So it was uh, a terrific, a terrific defense. It was a terrific decision by Capers and the coaches, and a and a, and a great job by by Thomas to uh, get thrown into a role for which he hadn't really practiced a whole lot. I mean, he did with the number twos, but to go in there with the number one defense and really make two game turning plays, a heck of a job. And on the fourth down, some breaking news this morning. I had a whole bunch of Minnesota Vikings news and notes lined up to help you get ready for Sunday night's game. But instead, the Packers have signed left tackle David Bakhtiari to a four-year contract extension worth $51.67 million. And based on the new money, that's 2017 through 2020. That's $12 million per year, according to reports. According to the Journal Sentinel's Tom Silverstein, Bakhtiari will get $17 million guaranteed, another $10.7 million in roster and workout bonuses. So a big financial payday there for, for Bakhtiari. And you can't help but see the irony here, right? When Bakhtiari was drafted in 2013, I mean he was just fighting for a roster spot, and then Brian Balaga, the projected left tackle, ends up getting hurt. And Bakhtiari ends up beating up, beating out Marshall Newhouse for that for that starting job. And, you know, Bakhtiari played well as a rookie, and, you know, time and time again during his first season in two in the league, he credited Sitton for his leadership, his intelligence, and, and being a mentor. Well, obviously, Sitton gets cut, you know, last Saturday and freeing up $6.3 million of cap space, and, and that money ends up going to, to Bakhtiari in this extension. So, you know, it's if you, if you look at the league, and this is, I, you know, I did this before this contract. There are 19 starting left tackles were making seven million dollars per season. Now do the math here, right? There are 32 left tackles, 32 starting left tackles. So your average starting left tackle, just slightly below average starting left tackle, is in that seven million dollar per year pay group. And and of that group, 13 were making nine million dollars per season. So is Bocera making a lot of money? Well, sure. But then that's just that's that's left tackle in this league, and you know that look at the draft too. I mean, teams draft left tackles. Heading into week one, 20 of the 32 starting left tackles were taken in the first round, which meant Bakhtiari was the minority as a fourth round pick. And I asked him about this back early in training camp. I go, what did did everybody miss about you? He goes, quote, they missed a lot, apparently. That's their fault. Green Bay didn't miss. Uh, Bakhtiari was well aware that he was a fourth-round pick in a position filled with early-round guys. He said, quote, I definitely know that. When you think of starting quarterbacks, you think of starting left tackles, and you think of the premier pass rushers, you usually think of the first-rounders. Maybe sometimes you get a gem in the second round. Well, you know what? He's been that gem in the fourth round. He has been obviously been very, very good. You know, for Bakhtiari, this has really been the culmination of an underdog story. I mean, here's a guy who didn't even start until he was a senior in high school, and he wasn't a hot recruit and obviously a a fourth-round pick. He's, He's always been kind of overlooked. As I asked him about that, he goes, quote, "'I've always enjoyed people telling me what I can't do. In high school, I didn't play until my senior year, and my coach always told me, as long as I'm the head coach, you're never going to set foot in my field and start.'" Colleges are telling me I'm too small, not strong enough. NFL telling me I'm a guard or center. I'm like, that's cool, that's fine, but you're going to wish I was out there. Obviously, Green Bay liked what they saw in me. I was able to get my opportunities and ran away with them. He's been really good. Last year, he gave up five sacks, and that doesn't seem great, but remember this. He hurt his ankle during training camp, so I mean, he was hobbled to start the season. Over his last 10 games, he allowed zero sacks. You know he's given up. You know he he's been penalized some. He's not the world's greatest front blocker, but look, left tackles are are paid to protect a quarterback, and he's done very well with that. And Green Bay, you know, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> Green Bay showed the last year. And Bakhtiari didn't play. I mean, they they don't help their linemen, and they don't help Bakhtiari no no matter who he's playing. David Bakhtiar is expected to win one-on-one matchups. I mean, they're not running Eddie Lacy or they're going to give chip blocks. They're not swinging in the line left hand so the left guard can help out. Bakhtiar is expected to win, and more often than not, then he's won. And here's one last thing to consider on this. He's an ascending player. I remember when he first came out, the book on him was the bull rush him. We'll forget that. He's gotten bigger and stronger every year. I mean, He would go up against Nick Perry, who's their biggest, strongest outside linebacker. He would go up against him one-on-one during the one-on-one stuff. In training camp and Perry to get nothing done against him. Bakhtiari has just turned to an immovable object. And for a guy who's gotten better and better and better every year, he doesn't turn 25 until September 30th. So if, for as good as Bakhtiari's gotten, there's more room to grow. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out my stuff at PackerReport.com and to check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, including Locked On NFL. Locked On Fantasy and Locked On Vikings to get you ready for Sunday's game. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow.